Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. Dr. Farrell. Yeah, hi Jack, how are you doing? I am well, how are you? I'm doing okay today. I am... uh working on a book that's taken a little bit of a turn. I think it's tentatively slated to come out next fall. Uh, I started uh-huh. I started off more the, the concept of, hey, we're stronger together. We can do more together when we work with one another. And as I started looking and researching, uh, I just thought, okay, maybe this is the problem, uh, that we're not kind of working together. We're not even together. Uh. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I think you made a very good decision because I think you have – you know, as many uh, we writers, occasionally you you start out someplace and all of a sudden, boom, something hits you and you say, "Oh my, I didn't even see that." Yes, yes. So yes. you you hit on a very good topic. Well, Absolutely. Well, thank yeah. you. I know, I know you are for the folks that will be uh, are listening to this. Uh, you know, you are of course uh, uh, not only a licensed psychologist but a published author, which is kind of how I came across. Uh, some of your work uh, online, but you have served, I know, as a mental health uh, expert and an educator uh, as well. What got you into yes. into your career choice from the beginning? Well, you know, like a lot of other things, it started out, uh, I wasn't really too sure, and I had a variety of uh, opportunities that presented themselves. I was, I was uh, a writer for a number of trade magazines, and then I decided that actually I wanted more independence, so I started pursuing um, classes, college, in the evening, and uh, to get a degree in psychology. And that led to my uh, going into actually research in Alzheimer's and also in public relations for pharmaceutical companies. So I picked up a lot of. Mm. Great information and and help there, and uh, as a result of that, I got some book deals, and uh, I always enjoyed writing. So I said, okay, fine. I've had more than thirty years of uh, direct experience in the mental health field. Now it's time to switch over. I'm going to start writing, and that's what I'm doing now exclusively, in addition to the consulting that I do for some pharmaceutical companies and, of course, for WebMD. Right, right. I I know when you were working with some of the uh, Alzheimer's, I think, if I remember correctly, you you were working uh, in some degree, I guess, with a partnership there at uh, Mount Sinai Medical Center in in New York City as well. Is that, am I remembering correctly? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, um, that was an incredible opportunity that I had when I joined them because it was actually the first national protocol for the first uh, medication that Mm. was going to be tried for Alzheimer's. So I went all over the country by myself, and I was the monitor in, well, we had 17 sites. I met some of the big names in the field, and uh, it, it was, that was, I did that for about a year and a half, and we had, uh, it was just wonderful. It was absolutely, and then there was a major article in the New England Journal of Medicine about that. Um, so that was, that was really a thrilling experience. 
uh, I have to say. Yeah. I met one of the people that I met was uh, the nephew of the fellow who designed the Jarvik heart. Wow. I don't know if it, yeah, she Liz, her name was Lissy Jarvik and a, vel, a very well-known Alzheimer's researcher in California. So I met some wonderful people, absolutely, all well, over the country. Well, you, you have done just, uh, and I'm going to continue to, to uh, just research and, and read and try to, to uh, digest everything that you are putting out because it's, it's just uh, fascinating. I, I know uh, recently what caught my attention was the, uh, the blog post, I think it was, where you talked about uh, back... Uh, a few months back about how we seem to be turning a blind eye to this issue of, of loneliness, which, um, you know, I'll be honest, maybe I was even guilty of that, too, because I didn't understand how prevalent it is. Why, why do you think, in your experience, loneliness is this big deal? Why are people lonely? Because with all the technology and connectivity, you would think that we would not be lonely. What, what is it? Why well, are we lonely? Yeah. You're right. It seems to be that it would be a contradiction, but it's not, because what's happened is people no longer have face-to-face -face interactions. You know, we are social. We are social people, and we need to have that in that close, that that closeness, that feeling of community that we have now lost because at, at the digital age has actually separated us. So while people say they have hundreds or thousands of, and I have to put this word in quotes, friends, mm. they really don't have, they don't have friendships. And in fact, somebody uh, at one of the universities did a study and they found that probably only 25% of the young people in the United States have one friend and a real friend that they see on a regular basis. Wow. And many have no friends that they see on a regular basis, and they don't have connections with their community. They don't have connections with their families. Um, they lead very isolated lives. When you walk around the street and you see people constantly absorbed with their cell phones mm, yes. and they're abs absolutely as though everything else doesn't exist, that leads to a sense of loneliness because you you really don't have connections with other people and and young people are the ones who are the loneliest um, and actually what that leads to it's not just a sense of loneliness. It leads to problems in, they say, mortality, that mm. mortality is much higher in lonely people. And we're not talking about the elderly. We're talking about a young population. Right. Also, they have an increase in illness because when you're lonely, you're stressed. And when you're stressed, it affects your immune system. So you can't be as healthy as you would have been. You also neglect a lot of things if you're lonely. You don't take care of your diet. You don't go exercise. You don't have interactions maybe with community groups. There are, it just, you know, it's like a wheel. It has so many different spokes mm -hmm. that, and it all comes back to this sense of being alone. Yeah. You know, you can be alone and not be lonely. That's right. But if you are, you know, if you are alone, you choose that for some reason or other. But if you're lonely, you are really suffering 
and uh, for it's a deprivation and people have said it's an epidemic and it's all over the world yeah. it's, it's not just isolated you know it's so many people um all over the world have gotten too disconnected and that's our big problem do you do you think and i'm glad that you said that because uh, about young people you know i i know from what i've read some would say the elderly you know obviously deal with that for other reasons but it seems as you just mentioned that the young uh, younger group millennials and even younger are dealing with this issue of loneliness, do you, do you think it is? Uh, I, I know obviously social media and technology is maybe to play into there. Are there other factors that seem to make that group more prone to being lonely? Well, I, I, I think there might be a, a sense of uh, you know people have a sense of insecurity, and sometimes it's easier they think to interact at a distance. Mm. People can't judge them, as a matter of fact, and they can present themselves in any way they wish but it's not authentic. It's all made up. So the whole, their whole existence is a made up existence and there's no true, um, what should I say, value mm. to that. Yes. Um, you know, the, uh, the BBC in, um, in, in England did a loneliness survey to see if what was happening in, in their area. And they had 55,000 people respond to that and that's where they found out that most of the loneliness was in young people who were not connected and feeling very much isolated and not a part of anything Mm -hmm. so that's what they were really looking at wow how do you see in your experience uh how do you see people trying to cope with this whole issue of loneliness what are some of the maybe not so good strategies you see people using? Are, are, are they even aware of loneliness to even think of any yeah. kind of defense mechanisms to cope? Exactly. I, I think a lot of people really don't want to admit that they're lonely. Um, they look for other kinds of things. Maybe they blame other people or other things. They see them sometimes as a victim. One of the worst things that people can start doing, and this happens very, very easily, is they look for crutches, and a crutch is something like drinking alcohol or using some kind of a drug, either a street drug or a prescription drug, which will temporarily make them feel good. Mm. And, you know, we say that the the superego, so all of the, the, the societal constraints we have on us, the superego is dissolvable in alcohol. Once you start drinking, you feel like you can do a lot of things. What mm. you're really doing is poisoning your brain, and that's what's happening. Wow. And people be, you know, become dependent on certain things, and they, they start making up excuses for themselves. Well, if only I had had, if only this would have happened. You have to, at some point, sit down and say to yourself, look, you know what? I'm responsible. I'm the one that can do something about it. And it's not somebody else. It's me right now. Mm. I can do it. And I have to pick out where can I go. It's not always easy. But there are so many ways that you can help yourself so that if you're feeling lonely, I mean, there are people out there waiting for you to help you or to be friends with you 
to be social with you, you know, to have you engage with them on a regular or semi-regular basis or whatever. You know, I I knew a um, a very successful woman doctor who was, it, because of her practice, she was so busy. So she had almost nothing in her life except for her practice. And she decided what she had to do was she joined her church choir so that she knew that a, a couple times a week at night after the office was closed, she would go and meet this group and she would sing in this choir. And that really gave her something that she needed. Mm. It was almost like food for the soul in a way, if you want to say that, you know? Right. So, um, you know, people have to reach out. That's one thing you have to do. It's uncomfortable many times. But if you want to reach out in a way that's meaningful and that will make you feel good about you and also give you the ability to make friends and socialize, volunteer. Mm, I mean, you know, one of the greatest places I say to people, you want to do something good, if you want to feel good, be a volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. I mean, that's, you know, Jimmy Carter's group. That is a wonderful group, and it's all over the country. It's probably, right now, it's probably all over the world. You don't have to be a great carpenter. You don't have to be a great anything. If you are willing to pick up and carry something, you're valued. That's right. And and you will be seen as valued, and that has a wonderful feedback loop. That's going to make you feel better. That's right. That's right. You know, you, you mentioned two things there. It's interesting uh, because uh, I, I should have just I should have just called you and, and gotten all the information that I needed for this book <laughs> because I've come across <laughs> a lot of the things you're saying I've, I have seen. And two, two of the things you just said were, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the lady plugging into the church choir and you mentioned volunteerism. And um, right. I was having a discussion with someone else a couple weeks ago and, and they brought those things up to volunteerism uh you know people kind of get that but but the other part is the uh the other person i got to speak with called it spirituality he actually was um is a dean at the university of southern california los angeles and he was talking uh-huh. about the issue especially when it comes to young people uh and you've mentioned this as well uh today um he mentioned that a lot of times uh, he's been there for 10 years. He said 10 years ago, the question I got from a lot of the young college students was, you know, how can I prepare for marriage or how can I prepare for a career? They were so excited. He said, now the question I get three times a day at least is how can I make friends? And oh, yeah. his suggestion right. was even plugging into spirituality. And, and I asked him and would ask you, do you see that? Obviously, you've seen it work. Why is that not something, especially for young people, that they are choosing as an option to avoid being lonely? Is there something that's keeping them or preventing them from, from choosing that? Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, there's been an awful lot of uh, emphasis in our society on people who have um, used religion or used churches in a way that it was never intended. I mean, it was for personal aggrandizement or riches or whatever. And I think that people, young people really do want a sense of why am I here? What can I do? Is there a purpose and a meaning in my life? And can I find it in a group that has a, a feeling of greater 
maybe there's a greater, greater sense of why I'm here. And I think that, um, you know, personally, and I, I, I don't know if I'm alone in this or not, but personally I believe in God, and I believe that um, there is a greater power that is there to enable and help us. And I think that any time that we, um, we do things that are intended to be good, I think, I think our entire intention in life is to be good and to be good to others. And there is also a selfish part of that because there's lots of research that shows that when we are good to others, when we show charity to others, we get something back mm. which is even better. I mean, we we don't expect to get something, but we do get something. When you're altruistic, you get you do get something back, and I believe that that's one of the greatest things you could do is to give charity and to be good to other people. Yes, yes, I, I agree, and and I seem to be every time I come across some. A suggested solution for loneliness so far, and at least in my research, it tends to go back to the to the thing that you the very thing you just said, and um, it, it is so critical. Um, you, you have answered just a, a host of questions for folks that will hear this and want to reach out to you. Uh, I know that they can do that online at uh, your website, uh, Dr. Patricia Farrell's website is drdrdrfarrell.net. Um, what else right. is happening in your in your world and your writing that we can connect uh, listeners who will uh, who are hearing this uh, podcast to to you and your work to find out more? Sure. Well, my whole uh, my whole aim in life is to help people to help themselves, and I believe that that is one of the ways that we the things that we need to do is to empower ourselves, and we can do that. Uh, I all of my books that I've written so far have been in the self-help or the self-development area, and I will continue doing that. Um, I also uh, regularly, every week, I write at least one to three articles on medium.com on the Internet, and I write that on a variety of different topics, so I would suggest that would be a good place to go. Okay. And, and any of my books, of course, you can find on my author's page on Amazon, which is the you know, author's page for Dr. Patricia A. Farrell, and you'll find the books that I've done so far. So I, 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 I'm following my own uh, suggestion. I'm trying to lead a life that has meaning, purpose, and includes a great deal of charity and care of others. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you for, uh, uh, I know you're busy. Thank you for your time today, and uh, so grateful to be able to spend a little bit of it with you. Well, it's been wonderful. I'm I'm very glad that I was able to share something. Yeah, thank you. And when we get this uh, edited and posted, it may be after the first of the year, um, but I will make sure to reach back out to you and let you know and, uh, and tag you and send people your way if that's all right with you. Uh, but, Good, uh, and if I can get an MP3, I will put it up on my website. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. All right, God bless Great. you. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org. 